Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm Adam Stone, and this is the Committed Collective Podcast. With my co-host, Steve Kerwin and Byron Hazley, we speak to an array of great guests to discuss ways to unify, educate, and empower ourselves against racism and social economic inequality. Steve, where can our listeners find us on social media? Yeah, first off, you can find us on our website at thecommittedcollective.org. Don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Next, you can find us at The Committed Collective on Instagram and Facebook. And my personal favorite, The Committed Collective Forum on Facebook, where we have open dialogue topics about conversations that we need to have that we might not necessarily want to. As always, remember to challenge inequalities and champion change now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Committed Collective Podcast, back for another episode post-election 2022 midterms. Got through it. Everybody's still around. A lot more smiles than expected, so I'm, I'm excited to get into this episode. With you, as usual, got Steve Kerwin, Byron Hazel in the house. Byron, what's going on in your world? Not too much, Adam. Uh, trying to avoid these crazy recipes that people are throwing out there you know holiday season i just saw someone um post a new kind of chicken you know um i know steve was talking about that uh nyquil chicken i think this one was even worse but uh i'll send you guys a link after the show you guys can check it out yourselves steve how are you doing well now i'm intrigued by this chicken that you brought up um but the show must go on and we can't talk about chicken during the whole time. I just wanted to, uh, you know, we're going to dive heavy into politics here, but I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out the women and what they did uh, during this uh, midterm election. Cause I was told there was a red wave coming turned out to just be lightly spotting Adam. How are you doing? I'm, 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 I'm disturbed now, Stephen. I'm not going to lie, but we're going to move on. We're going to move on. So we had the elections, like I said, and Steve, like you somewhat alluded to, there was uh, not quite the performance or the results that many thought. So I know you did a lot of research on this topic. I definitely want to get Byron's takes on the different races, propositions, candidates and whatnot. But Steve, why don't you give us a breakdown from what you saw through the results of the 2022 election? Yeah. So obviously, you know, if you've done any history whatsoever, you know that when midterms come during a the sitting President's party usually does not do well. And obviously, we've all gone to the gro- gone to the grocery store. We've gone to the gas pumps. We've seen the interest rates if you've tried to buy a car or a house. So I'm not saying that's necessarily Democrats fault. I'll challenge the uh, I'll, I'll challenge that we haven't done enough. But with that said, I thought it was easy pickings for the Republicans. To, we call it low hanging fruit in the industry. And what you're going to see is that uh, Dems are going to hold on and have 50 seats in the Senate and are probably going to gain one because for the life of me, I don't care that it's going to a runoff. There's no way nobody's going to elect Herschel Walker. I'm not buying it. Nobody's buying it. The real interesting thing is the House where Republicans were favored to win and you're in the upwards of 20, 30, maybe even close to 40 seats was the projection. And what you're going to see is probably single digit flip for the Republicans, and then Senate Democrats are going to be flat or gained one. This has happened three times in history. 
FDR, JFK, George Bush up until now. This is going to be the first time in history that that president didn't have a 60 percent approval rating. If anybody's been paying attention, Joe Biden's in the low 40s. They didn't have approval ratings for FDR, but he's probably one of the most popular presidents of all time. So I'm assuming it's in the 60s or better if we had. So what does that mean? At the end of the day, it means Republicans put up a whole bunch of trash candidates. Women showed up. Young people showed up. We didn't forget. And democracy is going to prevail. How was that? I agree. Um, definitely was surprised with the outcome. I was fully expecting them to flip both the the Senate and the House. But no, sir. No, sir. Um, I think one of the more exciting things that has taken place is that we're seeing some new blood come in. You know, it's been a while. We've got a lot of lifelong politicians and some of those people lost. Uh, just in Congress alone, we've got 19 new members. Um, there was 133 congressional candidates, 144 of them were incumbents. Um, but we've got blood. We've got some new blood in there, 19 new members. So that's exciting to see because that's what we need. We need that new lifeline in there, that new blood. You'll see a lot of Republicans talking about the Joe Biden's too old. They just nominated Chuck Grassley back for another six-year term. He's 89 years old. Adam, he's older than the chocolate chip cookie, and people think he should still be in the Senate. That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. So, yeah, I think it was I, – I, I, am, I am very, very surprised at how this went down. And it also proves that just like what Donald Trump won, polls mean nothing. Polls right. mean absolutely nothing. Right. I mean, I, I – I think one thing that I was positively and definitely surprised about was the turnout when it came to some of the abortion propositions that were out there across states. I know Michigan had one on the ballot. California had one on the ballot that they, you know, they passed pretty easily. And then in other states, similar uh, results came about. So that was one thing that was great to see that, you know, when people had the right to vote, they voted to protect the choice uh, when it comes to abortion. So that was big. And then the other piece that, you know, it, it stuck out was how poorly some of the Trump supporting election deniers, the more the disruptors fared this time around. You know, we're still going to see how Herschel Walker uh, and the Raphael Warnock race goes. And I have another thing to say about that. But in a lot of other situations like the the Oz, Dr. Oz and Pennsylvania and some of the other races across the country, those uh supported by Donald Trump didn't do very well. And I'm I'm actually shocked that Georgia is going to a runoff with Raphael Warnock because I thought Herschel Walker had done so much to pretty much ruin his candidacy that it was it was still a surprise to even have him be there. But you know, I think that just goes to how popular the incumbent was uh, Brian Kemp, who actually was not on Trump's uh, support list and was commonly seen as a Trump critic, and he did very well, as some other Republicans did. Uh, Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, I believe, those who are, are in the Republican Party, but went against Trump, who didn't 
deny the election, who were more modern in those eyes, you know, they did very well uh, overall. So, you know, th- those are my takeaways when it came to just the the candidates and how that election went. Byron, were you surprised with Georgia? What do you think is going to happen with the the runoff? Completely baffled by that, Adam. You know, I I saw someone trying to interview Herschel Walker. The guy's struggling to put sentences together. And this is who they want to represent their state. You know, this is not someone, <laughs> you know, that should have received 49 or 48 percent of the vote in the state of Georgia. It's It's kind of, you know. It's sad that people are just solely voting. All right, he's a Republican. I'm voting straight ticket. Like, use some common sense here. Listen to what people are stating. Do some research on the individuals. You can't just vote straight ticket. You have to you have to do your research. You have to be prepared when you go to the polls. I mean, Steve, what was your thoughts? Uh the the exact same thing. I I thought this one shout out Destiny. She does an amazing job on the newsletter. She told you when she wrote in that it was going to be 10 candidates. It was going to be very close. We were eight of nine. Correct. Hopefully nine of 10 with Georgia uh, with where they were all leaning. So if you haven't got the opportunity, Destiny writes an amazing newsletter month in and month out. Make sure you take a look at that. Get on her list to make sure. The the Brian Kemp, I had a feeling he was going to win and, and everything kind of signaled to the bed. But Stacey Abrams, she shows out and, you know, she turned Georgia blue. Um, she does a really good job of getting votes. Unfortunately, she doesn't do a good enough job getting votes. So when you look at the breakdown, unfortunately, this one's going to come down to white men. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but I believe it was election night. I saw Georgia was about 83 percent of white men voted for um, Governor Kemp to stay, which means then that that they're probably going to slide in with Herschel as well. Um, so like you said, Byron, this was a straight ticket. This is a power move um, that I've ever seen. I think my favorite tweet of the night was that Herschel Walker's probably asked his team three or four times if he's the red or the blue. Um, that man has no business being in politics. He's a Trump fanboy. And and most of them lost. I mean, you could go look around the co- Dr. Oz tried to cater to the moderates, then brought Trump on stage. You you got to pick or choose what side you want to go. A lot of people that if you're an election denier, I think that's one of the saddest things I've ever seen from the Republican Party. I thought, you know, being wildly racist for decades was bad. But this election denying is just it's it's like pathetic, sad. Um Carrie Lake, for example, the governor of Arizona just lost and she went after John McCain, who's in his family, John McCain, who passed away and is one of the most revered Republicans of our time. And uh, she's going to lose to a Democrat down there than everybody thought she was going to walk to victory. So um, it was a this election was definitely an awakening for the Republican Party that you better decide what you want to do, because right now you're split. And I'll sip my wine and watch the demise. Absolutely. See, you can even see that. I mean, me locally, we had one of uh, Trump's hand-picked governoral uh, candidates. I don't even know if that's the correct term. I know it's not actually, but um, Tudor Dixon, he handpicked her. Um, she was also supported by, I believe, Betsy DeVos, 
who's a Michigan resident millionaire who was, I think, secretary of education under Trump. Sure was. Um, Anyways, the people of Michigan, they weren't buying it, at least uh, the majority of the people within Michigan, especially when you look at the Republicans that just didn't buy the whole election being stolen and stuff. And then when she came out, um, she stood on she stood on uh, her stance that, you know, for no reason should someone be allowed to have an abortion. And I think that's between that and the Trump stuff. I think that's what cost her the election and got big Gretch, uh, Gretchen Whitmer back in office. And actually in the state of Michigan. And I think this is where a lot of the Trump stuff comes on for the first time in four decades and 40 years. This is the first time where it's been controlled dominantly by the Democratic Party. So very, um, very surprising to me because I I would, based on where I live, it's very red here. Um, but just happy to see it happen because we need those types of changes and uh, hopefully they can push some things through here. I, you know, it's funny as, Obviously, we're all from Michigan, so Michigan's always, always home. And when they put Tudor up there, that's how you knew Big Gretch was coming back, because all they tried to do was recreate her from the Republican side and mimic. It's an art of flattery right there. And you kind of had a feel it was going to blow up with their face. And I, I won't forget when I'm watching CNN and they showed the first votes from Detroit get put out there. And it was about 1500 votes that came in. 97% of them went to Gretchen. And that's where, you know, it's like, Oh, she's got Detroit on lock. So all the racist hillbillies of Michigan that are up North with their Trump 2020, 2024, 2028, you can keep it going, but big Gretchen's big Gretchen's stand. So that one was really, really cool to see. And just uh, circling back here. I know Adam have brought up some, uh, some of the props that were out there. I think the biggest surprise that I saw come out of the props was that there were five states with, um, with slavery on there as a prop to remove (laughs) one voted to keep it. Who Louisiana, of course, pretty. I would have, I would have guessed Alabama. I would have guessed Alabama. No, they banned it. Alabama, Tennessee, Vermont, and Oregon outlawed slavery as a punishment. Uh, Louisiana, they kept it as a punishment. If uh, you commit a crime, you can become someone's slave. And some of these are just wild um, all all the time when you read through them. But, you know, what did you you think about the the sports betting and how did that play out in your eyes? I I mean, I I was a little surprised that it, it was. Uh, struck down. And just to give you a little more background, this is for California and uh, their attempts to put it in play and how that just completely failed for them. Get it out of here. I can't hit a parlay to save my life at Illinois. I'd like them to ban the whole thing so I could just save some of my money. Um, uh, all kidding aside, I'm surprised, you know, it, to me, that's sports betting is kind of like throwing weed up on the ballot, like long time coming. Uh, you don't see a lot of lives ruined because of it. Um, and when a whole bunch of other states are doing it, um, 
you're just you're just behind. But I don't I don't have the strongest opinion on sports betting. I rarely do it because I have so much passion in my teams already. I don't need to put my money into there. <laughs> but they're well, even further behind, Steve, because they voted against it. They rejected it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I was, I mean, for me, it was just interesting because, you know, there had been so much, at least in some of those ballots, they talk about where the money's going and how, you know, they vaguely said is going towards addressing homelessness. So, you know, for me, what I'm hoping is that, yes, there obviously can be a lot of money coming out of this industry, especially when you put it in a market like, you know, California, but maybe this can be the start of ways to really drive home some detail for how this money's getting used, where it's going, you know, how it's actually going to address some of the things that they're talking about, because I, I think we just saw the the largest Powerball ever, and I'm still wondering where that lottery money goes and who, what what school systems are really benefiting from, you know, the millions and millions of dollars that go into it every single week. Yeah, that's one of the biggest hustles out there because I remember when it was always, oh, it's going to the schools, it's going to the schools, and yeah, I don't, I don't believe that at all that the uh, schools are. Another one was ranked choice voting. And this one has has really caught my eye because I think as a society and especially the younger generations, this whole Republican Democrat is kind of getting played out. But it's very tough to win on a ballot when you're a third party. However, eight out of 10 ballots that had ranked choice voting up, such as Evanston, Illinois, uh, there was another place in Nevada. They have essentially approved it. You don't know what ranked choice voting is. Picture five candidates, one through five. You rank them and you have to be at 50 percent to win. So let's say candidate one is 45 and going on so forth down. You take the fifth one that's in last. You remove it. Whoever voted them, number one. Now their number two gets votes. And you do that until you get to the 50 percent. What that will do is then help the Libertarians, the Green Party in different places do. This is something we should all be actively. This will hold people accountable and it won't just be a power grab where people are voting straight tickets and being like, you know what? I want to keep Brian Kemp so Herschel Walker can stay too." type situations. And that is the best thing we could ask for as a society would be real leadership based on the people that we want to see in office. And going in terms of, you know, wrapping up 2022's election and how that goes into 2023. Yeah, I think it is uh, an interesting point that you mentioned, Steve, that cross ballot voting and or cross party voting. And we did see that a little bit here. And I'm hoping that that continues because, like you said, you do want people elected based on their merits, not just necessarily their party affiliations. And we'll see what happens over the next few months, because now you know I've, I've heard the rumblings of who may run for 2024, what might happen when you look at the presidential election. But this at least gives us some runway into seeing you know, how we can continue to look for changes throughout the rest of Biden's presidency. Yeah, I think uh, as many people know, Trump announced that he's going to run again. And I believe he did that because DeSantis is coming after winning big in Florida. What I think DeSantis will do is hopefully elevate the Democrats, just like when you're playing sports, you want to play good competition because it elevates you. The census is coming. This is a really strong opportunity for Dems in the next two years to get, 
we're resetting the market. We're getting going after COVID and show leadership. And there are some really strong candidates that have won the elections the last couple of years. You're hearing a lot of firsts. And this is the time to run and do it. And uh, so we could keep the trash candidates out. All right. So I, I would be remiss. I would be remiss if I did not bring up a couple things. We got two first openly uh, lesbian governors, Massachusetts, Mara Healy, Oregon uh, House Speaker. I'm sorry. Yeah. House Speaker Tina Kotak uh, is also going to move into the governor role. We are going to get our first Generation Z member of Congress, Maxwell Frost, that's coming out of Florida. I think that's pretty cool. We're going to get our first LGBT and immigrant member of Congress. That's going to be in Long Beach, Mayor Robert Garcia. Um, first states are going to be led by two women. So uh, Maura Healy in Massachusetts. And we do give shout outs to Republicans. Shout out to Sarah Huckabee Sanders down in Arkansas. First woman governor ever, daughter of Mike Huckabee, and somebody that had to stand on a podium and defend Trump. So that's a that's a tough, tough job. Uh, first out South Asian woman lieutenant governor, Aruna Miller. So I think um, there, there was a lot of really, really, really good things um, that happened. And I'm excited. I, I am rejuvenated. Oh, last one. Wes Moore. Governor, Maryland, didn't hold a role, becomes the first black governor in Maryland. He's never been a member of Congress before. Like this is there's some really cool stories going on throughout the country. And I know everybody should be focused on their backyard, but it's not all doom and gloom because of the Democrats. Um, And uh, it's time to get going. And I'm excited. I'm glad you mentioned Governor Moore. I mean, that was a. A win that, you know, I did some more research on you did some more research on sent some stuff over to us. So, you know, that's definitely a big, a big one. Yeah. Dan Cox took an took an out 34, 62 percent to 34 percent to somebody that's never ran. My goodness. My goodness. So, Byron, now that we're through the election, got all that stuff all cleared out. What's on your play for the rest of the year, 2023, like how does this change things or did it change anything for you? Well, like I said, Adam, one of the, I think one of the highlights coming out of this midterm is that we're getting new candidates in, right? We got to get those lifelong politicians out that aren't really making choices for the people. And I think we took a step in the right direction with people voting for people that they feel will make an impact on their lives. And so hopefully we'll see some uh, positive changes take place in the United States because we're at a point where we need it. We definitely need it as a country and as a people. We need to unite and come together and push forward. Mm -hmm. Steve, do you think this is the time to push for an age limit? No, I'm not. And and let me say why I think you I think you roll into ageism when you say it. Um, 
So I think you're you're walking a fine line of discrimination there. Although so be it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know somebody 89 years old shouldn't be pushing our country forward. So I think it's hard to put an age limit into there. What I want to see is stronger, real candidates. I want Republicans to put strong leaders up there to go against strong leaders on the Dem side. I want to get back to the days where if my candidate loses, well, that's okay. I don't agree with that guy, but I kind of like his leadership style. And you just don't see that with a Republican Party that's so dismissive right now. And you're either, you know, (laughs) against women having control of their bodies and thinking the election is rigged. Like to be a supporter of both of those two things is one of the weirdest flexes I've ever seen in American history. And so I think for me, I just want to see leaders. And I think the ranked choice voting will hopefully help that as well. Um, But I'm still pretty optimistic that that we're going to move forward. Um, the economy will get better. This was going to happen. Anybody, we were all part of COVID, um, economics, demanded supply. You shut down the machine. We were going to go through this recession. Don't let anybody tell you that loves Trump. This wasn't going to happen. This was always going to happen when things get shut down for that long. So we will move forward. We will get better as a country. And I think having this much diversity, um, is going to be better for everybody. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting over the next few months because, you know, now we're getting past the election when typically parties try to keep things looking as rosy as possible before, you know, the reality strikes and some of the the changes really start to hit home. So we'll we'll see, you know, with the Senate still being, you know, in a position where it could be supported by Biden's actions. And then with a close house, it does give uh, an environment at least for there to be some movement on legislation and things like that to keep things moving as the country needs it over these next uh, few months, you know, with the recession probably getting worse. So I'll be interested to see exactly how parties continue to work together and, you know, find some more bipartisan ground, you know, during these periods, because honestly, that's that's one of the positives that did come out of COVID is that there were some moments of bipartisan leadership to bring together some of these um, initiatives that were necessary to get people financial support. So we'll see what builds out of that. I'm excited for that, you know, at least hoping, keeping my fingers crossed, you know what I mean? But uh, on that front, I, I think there is some some possibility of ground being made. The infrastructure to that that bill's a really, really big deal. And the only reason we don't talk about it more is it's very long term. And that's very tough for anybody living in today's what have you done for me recently world to comprehend and understand. Electric vehicles are coming. The infrastructure's got to get better. Bridges are falling apart. There's a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very very interesting to see how that plays out. So, you know, I'm excited for that. But, you know, our front, we, we're moving forward on our end. TCC is still doing things to continue to build on the home front. We got some updates for you on the way with uh, the ranch project, the food insecurity project. Um, and then also what we're working on with some of the organizations that you heard of in the past and some of the former guests that we've had. So we'll have some more great topics, some great guests coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, Excited to have things 
heading towards the end of 22. So, you know, we're almost through the end of this year and, you know, keep moving on. So uh, for Steve Kerwin and Byron Hazley, this is Adam Stone with the Committee Collective Podcast. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Well, that's the show. Thanks again for joining us. And if you did not get the social media from earlier, Steve, can you tell them one more time where they can find us? Absolutely, Adam. Go to the website, thecommittedcollective.org. Don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You could find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Committed Collective. And my personal favorite on Facebook, The Committed Collective Forum, where we have open dialogue topics about conversations that we need to have that we might not necessarily want to. As always, remember to challenge inequalities and champion change now.